Hey there, it's your host Nandini, and I'm so glad you could join me in building this network of evolving humans. Welcome to Enough Unsaid. Hello, hello, and welcome to the last episode of season one of Enough Unsaid. I'm your host Nandini, and it has been an absolute privilege for me to be able to take part in this and to lead this. I started this podcast for two reasons. One was to learn from the wisdom of others. It's like reading books. You learn so much when you hear about people's stories. And two was to build a network of evolving humans. When I was speaking to all these people, I realized that we could all learn. And unfortunately, there isn't a platform or there wasn't a platform until now where we could come together and hear on the stories. I took a few weeks to myself to really think about the learnings from season one. There have been aha moments, there have been hmm moments, there have been, oh yeah, I've gone through that two moments. And I realized that even though we're all different and we come from different backgrounds, at the very core of it, we all feel the same emotions. We all feel the pressures, the weaknesses, the vulnerabilities, the moments that make us feel not so good and the moments that make us feel amazing. As I wrap up season one, it didn't make sense for me to just do this alone. It only made good sense to bring all of my guests from season one back for a final table talk. So please welcome the whole cast of season one. We have Shaylee, we have Priya, and we have Dara. Welcome. Hi guys, how are you? This is awesome. I'm really glad we could all come together. I think it's crazy that we all grew up together, but none of us actually really knew these separate stories that we were living that were pretty identical like I know for Dara's podcast in particular like her podcast had very specific examples to her life in particular yet the the emotion and like the the overarching ideas like I definitely lived through that too so it was surprising for me I definitely found it very surprising I think it's um and that that was one of the reasons why I started this it was to build that network and I think so many of us put up a happy face. Like we all come from the same community. I see you at events maybe once, twice, three times a year. You don't go around being vulnerable with people that you don't see that often, even if you know them for a really long time. And we end up hiding our struggles. And you think, oh, well, you, you're a lawyer. You have a perfect life. Like you're an accountant. You have a perfect life. I created a shoe like amazing. Like you don't know what people go through, and which is why it's yeah. so important to have these conversations and lay it all out. I think it takes, uh, like, sometimes it almost takes, like, being apart from that culture that you're so assimilated into to really realize or try to even get the space to figure out who you are. Like, I know, Priya, you talked about this for sure, and I definitely felt it going away for university. Like, after I left home, I finally had the space to finally think about, okay, who am I? And that's, that's a question I never really asked myself before, which was like the first like shock, just having that space. It was just an environment I wasn't used to. Um, Dara, speaking of, um, how did you find going through like university from home? Yeah, that's true. Honestly, like I know you went to Ireland yeah. for like a semester, yeah. but so for me, like, that, I, like, I didn't really have that moment that you two had, like where you guys moved out of your houses for university. So because I was like commuting from home, it was really different. And I was going through a lot of medical issues. So I think my parents kept me really sheltered because they were like, you're already adulting in so many other ways. So we're just going to try to take care of you in every other situation. And so when I went to Ireland, it was like, OK, I have to do everything on my own right now. And it was really different. 
And I think that's kind of what led to my decision of coming back and going bald and being able to embrace it was, you know what, like sometimes you're, you think your parents care, obviously they care, but you think they, <laughs> oh, that was bad. You think they, they know care. what's best for you. They don't care. <laughs> they think yeah. they know what's best for you. I think, I think that, yeah. <laughs> I think we all get that, but it's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mind what you're going to do. Right. You think they're going to have a problem with your decisions and the way you live your life. And then you're automatically just going to shut down and be like, no, I'm not going to do it because I don't think they would approve. But in reality, like they don't really care. They'll let you do whatever you, they want. Like they'll let you do whatever. You Are we all good? Sorry, the internet got funky. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Dara, Dara you're, you're there? I think she's I'm there. I think oh, no, she's frozen. Go on, Dara, you were saying. So I think when, you, when you're making decisions and you live at home, you think your parents are going to mind what you're doing and they're going to say no or they're going to disapprove. And then when you leave the house, you realize that half the things you're doing, they don't really mind what you're doing. They don't care. They're like, kind of go live your life and do what you need to do. They're not going to approve or disapprove. They're just trying to let you do what you want to do. And I don't think you realize that until you step out of your comfort zone and you're not living at home anymore. Because at the end of the day, we're making so many assumptions about our parents. Like as much as uh, we're making assumptions about other people and people are assuming things about us, we're also making those assumptions about our parents. We're like, oh, dad's not going to like this or mom's not going to like this. Even though like we never even asked them. Yeah. And we don't even ask them because like we'll have a past experience where they've said no. And then you just shut, you pull up your walls and shut down and you're like, I'm never going to ask them ever again. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to like, what will people say? Right. Because our parents are a part of the whole, what will people say? Yeah. Yeah. Because they kind of, um, I guess we identify them as like the Indian society or the Southeast Asian society, for example, mm -hmm. like, so when it comes to, you know, going out and going out with friends, like I remember when I used to go out, I used to be like, oh, my parents are not going to like the fact that I went out clubbing with my friends, for example. And like, I think to a point, like, you're right, we do make assumptions, but I also think they, like, I, for my experiences personally, I know that my parents don't like certain things that I did. Or like they didn't like me doing certain things. Like I had a curfew until I was basically until I moved out to go to England. <laughs> so like until I was like 24, I had a curfew. And even then, like even when I was in England, like I still wouldn't tell them when I used to go out all the time because it just, they, A, they would get worried. B, they're, they're going to be like, oh, you're not studying enough. And like, you're going out too much and et cetera, et cetera. So I find that like, they do fall into the whole, like, what will people say? Because mm -hmm. I, for example, personally identify them as like the Indian society. Mm -hmm. So like, if they're not going to approve of it, no one else is going to approve of it. Yeah. I think like, I, I mean, I definitely relate to that for sure. And it took a long time for me to kind of take a step back and think, okay, I need to think about this from their perspective as well. Like, it is our, it is our, not really responsibility. I don't know if that's the right word, but it is on us to kind of educate them as well, right? Like that generational gap that exists between us and our parents. Sometimes it's really not their fault. You know, sometimes that's just how they grew up. That's just what they were brought up thinking. Them 
saying certain things is them being good parents to them or them being protective. And so like, I guess even starting the process of trying to educate my parents on why I do certain things and why they make sense and why they didn't make sense for them. Like that's something I definitely struggled with. I'm like now learning to do that a little bit now. It's still hard. I still have moments where I hold back from sharing how I feel, but I'm trying to like Mm-hmm. be a little bit more open about that um but I I think I once I once I kind of break it down more logically for them I do see them come around I do see them try to understand um and another thing that I maybe all of us relate to is our parents are all immigrant parents right and so immigrant parents go through their own struggles of leaving their country and they leave their country with the culture that they left that country with and then they continue that for years and I feel like I don't know. I don't want to speak for your parents, but I don't, I feel like my parents like kind of held on to that very, very closely. Um, and like being able to live with that culture from back then and also integrate into the Canadian culture and kind of discover myself for who I am. Like that's something I struggled with as well. And when they came here, like they were in survival mode and for me to, for us to be, you know, blessed enough to not have to be in that survival mode like them. I, I feel like, I go through a lot of like uh, clashing heads with my parents with that, where I have to tell them, you know, like, I understand that you were in a survival mode, but I'm not. And that's okay. And that was the whole point. <laughs> like, you're right. I think it's, it's acknowledging and, and holding space for their struggles. And yeah. also acknowledging the fact that as, as Southeast Asian kids, you cannot just be like, forget it. I don't care about the world. <laughs> do whatever I want to do. Like, it's not possible. And I think, there's two sides to every coin, right? Like we grow up with this idea of family, which is wonderful. You're co- together, you're connected. But when it gets too much is when you feel like you, you can't be your own individual self and you're stuck with that idea. And that's why it's even harder to strike out as your own because hamsatsate, like we have to <laughs> together. Like we're a family and this is wonderful. And all of that holds true. And I think, you know, we're not parents. But I think so many of their concerns come out of just the fear of the unknown. It's oh, yeah, absolutely. And like, our parents, like, well, at least mine, I'm sure it's a, it's a universal thing. But it's like, until you're a parent, you're not going to know. And it's true, right? Like, ultimately, we, we won't know until we're a parent as to like, the fears that they go to, um, or go through. And um what they worry about, we may not necessarily worry about for ourselves, right? Um, Because the thing is that we know ourselves, like we know who we are. I think they're still trying to figure out like who we are Mm -hmm. (laughs) because like we're constantly internalizing, we're constantly working on ourselves, but they don't see that work. Yeah. Yeah. They see like us projecting that. Yeah. And I feel like they came here in a time capsule, like whatever the, like, like what Shirley said, whatever the culture was at that time period. So if your parents came here in the nineties, well, guess what? You were brought up with nineties Indian culture. And if your parents came here in the seventies, then you were brought up with seventies Indian culture. So, you know, for me, my family came here in a lot earlier than I think your families probably did. Well, probably at the same time as Priya's family came here. Yeah. So it's not just the culture my parents came here with. It's the culture that my uncles and my aunts and my cousins came here with. And so and their parents, parents, right? Yeah, and their parents, right? And so it's not only three generations just, technically now. At yeah. Point, so which so, is why, like the whole idea of what Shaylee said about educating them is so important because the more you expose them 
to something, the more they start getting comfortable with it. And I think the fear just automatically comes down. Like, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I feel like this crowd might have where your parents at some point definitely said, oh, you're, you're so much more mature than I was at your age. And I still get that. I still get it. Yeah. There you go. All the time. (laughs) Exactly. And that's them coming to, I think that's also them kind of admitting the fact that wait a minute, this one has it, like they've got it. And that's because yeah. you expose them to that side. Yeah. And we're really lucky to have the space to do that. Like, I definitely don't think my parents have the same space that I did to be no. able to, to mature to the level that we have, you know, like my, my mom had me at the age I am right now. Like <laughs> I don't, and I, I'm still figuring myself out. I'm still trying to grow as an individual. Like I'm still molding who I am. And I don't think they got thrown into so many responsibilities before they even had the space to do that. So. And I definitely think that like plays a factor into us working hard towards finding ourselves and like understanding ourselves before we jump into like some of those responsibilities. Like for example, me getting married soon. Like I, like until, until I didn't understand myself, I didn't, I wasn't ready for that step. Cause I'm like, I don't want to do that while I'm now going on into a new relationship. Cause like, you know, we see our, we see our moms, like they've literally thrown themselves into helping us grow up. Right. And now that we're all grown up and we're all living our individual lives, we all have jobs, you know, we're, we're creating our own independent pathways now. And they're like, Oh, what do I do now? And I feel like they're going through this like midlife crisis of like finding themselves now. And I see that. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry that you have to go through that in your forties and fifties. Mm-hmm. And I feel like because of that, we're kind of forcing ourselves to deal with everything internally that we need to deal with before taking those steps that they were kind of forced to take right at that point. Cause they didn't have a choice of getting married at so-and-so age. Like my mom was, my mom was flying kites and she was asked to come downstairs to be my dad. Like, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. Because <laughs> what will people say if the girl is, God forbid she's older than 25 and is not married. My mom was 18 years old. <laughs> like she, she got married very young. So like I, I see the struggle that not just my parents, like not just my mom, for example, like my aunts also go through, right? Like they're now just starting their lives mm-hmm. after we've grown up. So it's almost like, they like they're discovering themselves now yeah and so like like Shirley said like super grateful that like I have the space and the time and like they're actually giving me the space and time now more so more so now but yeah um, at least we're getting it right I'm gonna throw in a line that I've heard from my parents and I want to I want to see if you guys relate to it but it's you know your life hasn't even started yet I don't know if you guys have heard that. Yes. <laughs> or, you know, do everything after you're married. Why? Oh, that one really annoys me because I feel like we picked up so many coping mechanisms from our mothers. I don't know about you guys, but I definitely did. My mom thrusts herself into work when she gets stressed and she's like, like, like high functioning anxiety almost pretty much. <laughs> We're like a busybody, right? That's, that's what they call themselves. Right. But in reality, they don't like to deal with their emotions. They don't like to sit there alone with their thoughts. It's scary. And so as South Asian daughters, we pick up on that. And then that's kind of, we start mirroring what they're doing. And it takes a lot to just stop yourself and be like, what am I doing right now? Like, 
let me just sit here with my thoughts even if it's uncomfortable it's so uncomfortable oh it's so uncomfortable oh my god sometimes I just want to run like, yeah. I want to run away from it I'm like I don't want to deal with this we're conditioned like don't, don't even do anything just run like I know I, I know of somebody who literally wants to do her master's and her PhD just to avoid like getting married because when we're born we are born with quote-unquote expiry dates like you have to get married by this age <laughs> right that is an expensive decision and very oh, taxing. God. Just don't Oh, God. It's an expensive way to buy time. <laughs> like, God forbid, you know, you're, you're 30 and single still, or, you know, you're 28 and single still or something, right? Like, whatever, yeah. whatever timeline your parents have for you, it's like, if you don't follow that, then what will people say? You know, what but- bothers me about that is that like your parents are part of I agree like I think they're part of the crew of that people because they don't stop people from making those comments either no they don't like you I'm sure you must have heard comments or I'm sure every all of us must have gone through instances where you're like oh this is triggering a few buttons for me (laughs) yeah like why did they speak up and then you carry it with you like think about it taking it back to when we started this conversation I've known all of you for at least 15 16 years of my life oh thank you (laughs) we old guys yeah and behind closed doors I don't know what goes on because it was never okay for you to talk about anything that happened outside of the four walls of your home like you don't talk about that stuff so it's like they didn't stop those things from happening but they also didn't let you you know like they didn't let you do anything else outside of it either it was a lose-lose sometimes I mean internalizing and bottling up emotions and just like shoving it under the rug I find that so like so common within the South Asian culture and there's a reason why you know mental health issues are so bad when the South, South Asian culture and what makes it even worse is that we bottle it all up and don't talk about it well, it's so ironic <laughs> but there are no safe spaces so there's like one person that you could tell your problems to yeah so you're like waiting until that time you see that one person it's so frustrating right because as as a south asian person i can't give people the benefit of the doubt like i don't know if you guys experience the same thing but i can't i don't like talking about my medical issues or my personal problems because i feel like the person in front is never going to understand and that's come from you know examples of that happening in the past where now I'm like, no one's going to ever understand that I have like a million doctor's appointments. So let me just not talk. I also find that like, I connect more with South Asian females. Oh, yeah. When it it, it comes to talking about personal things, just because I feel like, you know, you can definitely relate on some sort of level may not be like, side by side, but I feel like all of our parents went to the same school when it came to parenting. (laughs) And like, you know, like they, they all just talk to each other like, about it yeah or like you know it's just like oh 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 your parents do that too oh Ooh. and like it kind of makes you feel like oh crap I'm sorry that like you also have to go through this but thank god someone's going through it with me yeah, yeah the solidarity the solidarity yeah. of life. <laughs> um uh, I, I want to ask you guys a question um throughout, were there other times when you realized you picked up a habit from from your parents in some way or the other and that really like stifled your growth or you felt stifled in that moment uh for me personally I think it's reacting to things like right away I can relate to not taking the time to think about things before saying it and I still find myself doing that sometimes Mm -hmm. Uh, like personally for me when I get angry I don't have a filter 
So it's not good. Like it's not a good thing. So I tend to now walk away or like I tell people, okay, I'm going to walk away because I'm going to say something that I, that I'm going to regret. But I learned that from seeing like my parents, for example, or like other parents reacting to things without like considering that, okay, maybe I should sit with this for a bit. Yeah. Or like, maybe I should think about what I'm going to say next. So I find that like reacting to things right away, really like that's something that I definitely had to work on and I still have like been actively working on it. It's like the complete opposite. So for me, like I don't react to things or I'll just let things slide. And that annoys me so much. So now I have to kind of be in the moment and be like, if I'm uncomfortable with what, how you're speaking to me, it, I have to try to stand up for myself at least a little bit. I mean, I owe it to myself to do that much. Um, and it's so hard to do because my parents are not very non-confrontational, right? And they think like, if I say something, it's just going to escalate the situation and make it worse. So they'll be like, oh, let bygones be bygones, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if your parents say something like that or like whatever happens, you know, that's not my friend. Why do I care? That's not my daughter. I don't care about her. (laughs) And it's just like, no, okay, that person's saying something rude. Let me, let me just speak up and be like, that's making me uncomfortable or at least make it clear in some way so that it doesn't repeat itself. Otherwise you're just torturing yourself for no reason. I feel like I'm a mix of both. I like let things slide, let things slide and I let it bottle up and I let it bottle up and then I just, I lose it. And that's something that I definitely like, I think it's because it's a mixture of my like like South Asian culture and like just trying to figure out the better way to deal with my emotions where the South Asian culture in me just bottles things up and lets it slide and lets it go. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but I've heard to let things go, especially as a female all the time it is my job to let things go you know just to just accept things as they are but then the opposite is then you you let it build up and then you don't know how to express it properly so I've really I mean I'm still working on this but I really learned to like slow down and and deal with things as they come in bits and pieces um because build-ups are hard and, and I think in my teenage years in particular where we're all a little bit more rebellious than other years Um, I definitely struggled with anger issues for sure. And I openly admit that. And I struggled with that a lot with my parents because you go so many years just being suppressed and just like being molded into a version that they want you to be. And it's, it's such a conflicting issue in your head to learn to balance too. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Like, I think the whole letting it go aspect of it, like, for example, say something happens at home and like, you're upset about it but then you have to let it go because it's dinner time and everyone has to eat together apparently. So have you guys had the passive aggressive dinners too? It's like, Oh my God, like just let me feel what I want to feel. But then, you know, if you could sit down at dinner and then you start crying or, you know, you don't say anything because you don't want to say anything because you're still upset. That's a problem too. So I wasn't allowed to be mad. I I was too young to be mad. As soon as they say like, they don't say sorry. They kind of just invite you to eat dinner with yeah. them. That's their way. That's of their going. sorry. <laughs> bowl of like cut up fruit as a piece yeah. of wine, right? Yeah. yeah. Or like, you know, like for me, for example, um, and like, you know, people that are close to me can attest for this, that I need time. Like I need time to just sit with like my emotions. Like I just, I need time. And that doesn't go with Indian parents. They just, they kind of want like, 
uh, a decision or like a solution right away, or they want you to be okay right away, no matter what's happened. They just want you to be okay with whatever happened because they're suddenly okay with it. But if they take like, I don't know, like a couple of hours of like dwelling in it, it's fine. It's okay. You just let them be. <laughs> like, it's just like, why can't that be my thing to do too? No, because yeah. they're the adults, right? No matter how old we all are, we're all adults, but they're the parents and in yeah. their minds, that means they're an adult, right? Yeah. yeah. Like for them, everything needs to be on like express highway. <laughs> if I'm mad, it needs to be done quick. Boom, bang. That's such a good way of putting it. It's like, it's like, let's just get this over with. Like emotions are ro- like, we're like on a roller coaster of emotions. They're like, okay, like you're at the top and they're like, okay, are you done yet? And you're like, no, I gotta go down. Now. Yeah. Like, Give me a second. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but when you are angry and you, like, I'm also somebody who doesn't, holds it in for a very long time until I burst. And then I feel bad for bursting. Yes. Because, and I think it comes from me, I'll say something and my, my parents are like, you can't say that. And I'm like, oh, I can't. Oh, <laughs> I can't say this. And then it makes you feel bad for having anger because you're like, yeah. wait, I'm disrespecting somebody by doing yeah. I think that's yeah. it's like one of the biggest uh, things that I've carried with myself is like, what will people say if they don't see me as this nice, happy person all the time? What if I'm angry? That's not very like me. So or I like, what if I say something back to my parents in front of people or like respond to them in a non cordial way or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I'm to like if my dad's upset about something I'm able to speak to him and he he kind of gets yes. me first versus like my mom my mom and I like if we get into an argument it's like world war three up in this place like it's yeah. not it's not pretty at all so I'll let my brother quote-unquote deal with my mom and then I'll quote-unquote deal with my dad yeah and then together as a sibling I can definitely attest to that because my mom's very emotional and I'm very emotional so that doesn't go well together yeah. but with, with my dad I literally look him in the eye I'm like this is what you're doing I'm like is that cool <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. he's like, I'm just like so much more calm with the way I have, because my dad doesn't get emotional. So automatically, like, I'm not going to get emotional with him. Yeah. Because he's very calm. So yeah. You no, automatically I- find that like you think more practical when you're speaking to your dad versus your mom. 100%. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Straight up. Like, I-, I don't sugarcoat it with my mom. Sometimes you have to sugarcoat things. You can't but, like, hurt her. around the bush. Like, we can't deal with like conflict. Like any conflict, it needs to be resolved immediately. And that's why we do it, right? I mean... I could be wrong, but that's how I feel for me personally is I just need to resolve any issues that are happening in the house. Like if anybody's having an argument with each other automatically, like especially as a daughter, I feel like, oh, let's go fix this and make everything okay. Yeah, so I think I learned that the hard way to like kind of let them figure it out. Like it took me so long to like shut my bedroom door and just like do whatever I'm doing and not pay any attention to it. Because ultimately, like, they're the ones that have to live with each other, right, in the long term. So, like, we're not always going to be there, for example, or they're not always going to be there for us. So I find that um, it is, it, it's a very difficult feat to, like, overcome, for sure. Because, you know, it, your heart goes out to it, too, right? You're like, oh, let me just, let me just go downstairs and, like, say a couple things that will, like, settle it down. But it doesn't settle it down. It makes it worse. Like, I often find that when I butt in, it makes it worse because now there's a third party coming into this conversation and bringing up things that may not necessarily have been brought up otherwise. Mm-hmm. It's um, like a board. You get, like, sucked yeah. into it. You can't get out. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, there's a few things here. One is that 
as you get older, you realize, and as you have your own like friendships and you leave the house, I think is when you realize, wait a minute, this isn't my relation. Like they're, they're husband and wife too. They're mm-hmm. not just mom and dad. Like you take them off that pedestal and you're like, wait, you're humans. You can make mistakes, go figure it out. Um, and yeah. I don't have to be a part of this. And then the other thing is also that I think women are so often portrayed as like caring and nurturing. You have to be the glue. And I want to ask specifically Shaili and, and Dara, because you, have, <laughs> you guys are mothers. Do you think they feel that same pressure to nope. like, I got to fix this? But, because Dara, you're younger. So yeah. yeah, that's different. So it's different. And Shaili, you're older. So I wonder if yeah. you use it for Yesh or like, how does that work? Um, Dara, do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, sure. So my brother's older by 10 years almost. So I feel like he does feel that pressure because he feels like he's my like third parent. So he kind of yeah. feels like he's part of their dynamic of like three parents, parental units in the house. And yeah. so he like, if they're arguing, I need to fix, he needs to fix it so that I don't need to fix it. Um, and then as I started getting older, then I was like, hey, I feel bad. You're always doing it. Let me just take over. And so we kind of just riff off between which one of us is going to fix their problems next. Yeah. But um, I would say the South Asian male experience is definitely way different than me. Like the way he would go about yeah. solving it is completely different. Like he'll just yell at them and be like, just fix it. <laughs> My brother is the same thing. Like he, on like, I feel like I sit there, like I try to like, be this counselor (laughs) and my brother's just like figure it out like deal with it he's like (laughs) um we're very different and like recently like ever since I I went to university and then I was home and my brother went to university so we haven't really been home together in a while there's a couple months here and there where it happens but I know that when I when he comes home uh I'm like okay I'm like this week is on you man (laughs) I was like (laughs) I was like, if anything, if anything goes down, I was like, I've dealt with it for the last four months. This week's on you. Pawn it off, pawn it off. Um, but no, the way we deal with it is very different. And for me, I feel like I actually like try to, I feel like the way my approach is a lot longer and my brother just sits down and be like, what's your issue? What's your issue? Like, let's put up, like, you know, let's figure this out like adults and move on. And I'm so much more emotional about it. So, no, I definitely feel the difference in the gender for sure. I'm learning from my brother, though. I feel like his approach is so much better than mine. Yeah, I try to to do the same with my brother, but it doesn't come across well. I also feel like, I don't know, okay, maybe this is a thing that's a stereotype that, like, uh, daughters get along with their fathers a little bit more and then sons get along with their mothers more. Is that, I don't know if that's the same thing in your Freudian. Dynamic. Is it, is it Freudian? Is that, is that the thing? Yeah, maybe, but it's apparently. But it's true. <laughs> like I'm able to like if my dad's upset about something I'm able to speak to him and he he kind of gets yes. me first versus like my mom my mom and I like if we get into an argument it's like World War Three up in this place like it's yeah. not it's not pretty at all so I'll let my brother quote unquote deal with my mom and then I'll quote unquote deal with my dad yeah. and then come together as a sibling I can definitely family. attest to that because my mom's very emotional and I'm very emotional so that doesn't go well together yeah. with my dad I literally look him in the eye I'm like this is what you're doing I'm like is that cool <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he's like I'm just like so much more calm with the way I have because my dad doesn't get emotional so automatically like I'm not going to get emotional with him yeah he's very calm so yeah you no, automatically I- find that like you think more practical when you're speaking to your dad versus your mom 100%, 100%. yeah 100%. straight up like I-, I don't sugarcoat it with my mom sometimes you have to sugarcoat things you can't but, like, hurt her around the bush 
I think it depends on the situation. Yeah. yeah. There are times when <clears throat> I feel like there have been so many instances where I've seen both my parents boil over the top as individuals, not as related to anything. Like uh, my dad could have a long day at work and he loses it and my mom can't can't understand why or my mom loses it and my dad can't understand why so I've seen them both individually take the practical route and the emotional route and it, it <laughs> I absolutely agree with that I think I've seen both yeah. um, coming from a uh, two female like two daughter household I have to say like my sister and I we 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 tend to play both roles like both the son and the daughter so yeah. like, depending on how we're feeling, we kind of like, I'll like message her, she'll message me, be like, this is what's going on. And it's like, okay, do you want me to handle it? Are you good? <laughs> no, okay, all right, what approach are we taking? And you know, I, I when, when we were taught, like when you guys were talking about how your brothers handle it, I found that when I was younger, I handled it that way. Like I handled yeah. it like a son would. I would be like, deal with it. Like you're adults. Get it together. <laughs> but I also think that that really had to do with the fact that I was younger. Like my sister, uh, because she was older, she handled things. Yeah. I did. Right? Yeah. I didn't have that maturity to understand. I'd just be like, fix it. Like, I don't understand what's wrong with you too. <laughs> like what's going on? I do the same thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but then I think that once my sister moved out, a lot of it fell on me and I was just like oh this is new <laughs> what's going on <laughs> and yeah. I found that like I automatically became more emotional because I was the only one that it, that's that interesting and so and then my sister became the more practical one she was like deal with she it. was more like she would literally call them and be like figure it out like and I and then I learned from her slowly that like you don't need to always get involved. So I'd be like, like if they approach me with something and like they try to bring me in, yeah. I'd just be like, it's not my problem. Yeah. And, li- and it took them a very long time to get used to me saying that, but it works. Like, and I don't know if you felt this, like drawing that boundary, but like, I felt really selfish doing it. Okay. And I felt really guilty doing it for a yeah. long time. Um, and I, you, you feel like it's your responsibility, like to, to fix your family. It's your responsibility, but that guilt, like is, is really hard to deal with. To fix people in general. Yes. Yeah. That's something at home where you're like, I have to fix this. Like I, I, you're not comfortable with the awkwardness or the anger or whatever the emotions are. So you're like, I will over-apologize. I will overcompensate. I will do this, yeah. I will do that. And I will pull all the strings in the world just to keep it all together. Because in the South Asian culture, we don't give up on things. You know, we, you keep trying, keep trying to fix it. You keep trying to make it better. But then it comes to a point where it's like that person just does not align with who you are anymore. And I feel like in the South Asian culture, we don't even think about who am I and who aligns with my life. That's just, I feel like even my parents don't really think about that for sure. Like within their friend group, I know they have friends that they don't really like, (laughs) but but it's like, you're not going to walk away from those friendships because it's going to reflect in society and what will other people say, how will other people perceive. Because like these two couples are not speaking to each other. Like, I think it's, um, I think it's the fear of the unknown. Hmm. Better to be in a shitty situation because at least it's familiar. 
it's mm-hmm. better than whatever is on the other side of things. You and can kind of like brush it away or like put it on the back burner until yeah. like it blows up in your face sort of thing. I think it's important to realize that people are allowed to leave you as well. Like you shouldn't like as much as you're on your own growth journey, people are going to be on their own growth journey. And that has nothing to do with you and everything to do with what they need. And that's fine. I think like we all get, we think that we're like the star of everybody's lives and everyone, (laughs) something must be wrong with me for you to leave. But you know, I, I don't think that's the case. I think it, I don't think it's quitting as much as I think it's evolving. Can people really support your growth as you grow as a human being throughout your entire life? Or is it just about school? Or is it just about universe? You know what I mean? Like, like once that one thing that relates to you falls apart, like, can you really still be connected as human beings? Yeah. I think I really, I'm a strong believer in intuition. Um, and I feel like for a long time when I had the wrong friendships in my life, I always, there was a part of me that didn't feel myself around those people. And I feel like I didn't, I shoved that feeling under the rug saying, you know, these are my friends. I have to learn to accept them. And these are the people in my life. I have to learn them to accept them and like maybe just realign myself to fit in with them. But when I started moving away from that and like figuring out who I am as an isolated person and feeling good about that, I was like, okay, like I have to, I have to hang on to this feeling. And I know for a fact that whoever will support that are the people that are meant to be with me. I felt, I started feeling better about myself. You know, when you're around the wrong people, you don't feel good about yourself. And it's just that, that intuition is there as we grow up, but we just ignore it. Um, so that feeling, I, that feeling of just feeling like I could be myself around these three people, even if it is three people like that, you know, I want to feel this way always. And I don't want people that make me feel otherwise. So I think that that realization or that different feeling of finally not feeling like I was holding myself back from anything, that's what really helped me kind of take whatever falls into my life and just trust it. To that point, though, did you, I'm sure it was uh, filled with a lot of Mm self-doubt because I think for so long, you're taught not to trust yourself and make sure everybody else approves of you that learning to trust yourself is a whole other feat of its own. So how, how did you cope with um, that self-doubt? Um, I think self-doubt comes from not having a clear picture of who you are as a person. And, and that's what the South Asian culture does with us, right? Like we are kind of molded into this person, but we don't even know if we really are that person. So finally, like getting closer to myself and finally like building a relationship with myself and figuring out who I am as a person got rid of that self-doubt, I became more confident in who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And, and the, uh, Dara, you had a bit of a more of like a drastic yeah. uh, a moment where you had to maybe say enough is enough. But how, how was that for you? I think for me, it came into two pieces. So the first part was kind of when I was younger in, in high school and I had just had surgery and, you know, people were making mean comments and mostly it was coming from like older women in the community. And they'd be like, oh, you should live in a glass house or, oh, your, your dad should never take you out of the house or whatever, you know, right? And people were really mean, right? And they were trying to tell me how to live my life. And that's when I was like, okay, I can't have you in my life. So then I would just kind of forward that person to my mom. And it could be somebody that was related to me, right? And I would just like, just talk to my mom. Like, I That's the hardest that. part though, right? Yeah. When it's someone related to you. Oh, it, it, a lot of the times it is somebody related to you or someone who, you know, like you might not be related to, but you, you know, like pretty much you're related. 
because yeah. you're talking to them all the time or whatnot. Right. And so that was the first piece. And then the second piece was, you know, when I was like, okay, I'm going to wear scarves and, you know, I can't do the wig anymore. And I was like, enough is enough. I don't care what anybody says. I can't wear this wig. I feel like my head is going to explode. Like, And I took the wig off and then I shaved my head. But I think something that I didn't expect coming after saying enough is enough is kind of going back to that old mentality of like, why are people looking at me? Mm. Right. So recently I went for a walk with my parents, just like around like a park nearby. And, you know, like they were like a bunch of dudes just staring at my head, like staring, like unashamedly, like just staring for like five minutes. And I felt so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. But I realized like people are going to stare and I do have to get comfortable with that. Right. But I don't want people like that in my life or involved in my life. Like if you have anything mean to say to me about my life decisions, about how I look or to my parents. Right. Because a lot of the times people don't have the guts to say something to your face. They'll say it to your parents. Can we just simmer down, please? Like, focus on your life. Thank you. Or like, oh, like, did you know how to get wigs? Like, I had a friend who had blah, 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 who got a wig. And I'm like, yes, auntie, I know I can buy a wig. Clearly, I have the internet. But like, I don't want to. Like, it's kind of stupid to me, right? Like, it's just like, okay, obviously, this person has known I've been bald for like, quite a bit of time they know yeah. I've tried a wig on and yeah. they're still trying to push me towards wearing a wig because it's what makes them happy right but like that makes you doubt yourself right because every person who who meets you is going to assume things about you yeah yeah like, like who told them that you even want one right like why are they assuming you want one? Oh, you're not going to find a guy in our community right automatically just like guys in our community don't like bald chicks end of story like <laughs> And you're just sitting there like, I'm really uncomfortable. You're talking about me like I'm not even in the room. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a really good point that you brought up, that it doesn't just become enough is enough and I'm in my skin and now it doesn't matter. Like there are moments of doubt where you go, oh, am I really making the right decision? And you feel guilty, like back to what Shaili said about <clears throat> pulling away from certain things. You do feel like I've never done this before. Like, is this the right way of going about it? Of course. How do you guys I feel like do we that? grew up not knowing how to let thing bad things go? Like we just like band-aid fix them. And that's the uncertainty of or that's like the I mean, we never even learned how to let things go. I mean, think about how many times you hear stories of people being in like really horrible marriages, but they won't leave because their parents will won't be able to show their face in society. Like what does that even mean that you can't show your face in society? Honestly, I think I think a lot of that goes back to um, what we were talking about earlier, right? Like they bring the culture that they were stuck in when they immigrated, right? Like that probably doesn't happen anymore. Like India's divorce rate is probably higher than Canada's at this point, right? Like, you know, we don't know. Yeah. But, like, and I, I can say this personally, like my mom has like kudos to her. She came here when she was 19 and she has like, she's really embraced the Western identity, right? In the sense of like mm-hmm. finding that balance. Whereas like, I find that my dad is very much so, he's India proud, right? Like he's like <laughs> my dish, right? Like India is the greatest sort of thing. And I'm just like, do you know what's going on there, sir? Like, do you, do you? but they're oblivious because they're stuck in that time. So they're just like, we don't want to abolish that idea that we have of India because that's a huge part of their identity right like they don't want to see anything or they don't want to perceive anything to be as bad because they're like 
you're taking away from my identity if mm-hmm. I say something is bad from India. Yeah, I like so. even, I, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but if my parents see something odd, like um, uh, say like a, a person getting divorced twice, right? They're like, oh, it's this culture, this Western yeah. culture. Like, look at this. Especially it, interracial. It, yeah, it has yeah. I mean, oh with And I think, it, like you said, it's like their culture. And I think they don't realize that like these people are unhappy like people don't just call it quits on a marriage for I don't feel like it anymore like it's not gonna happen overnight (laughs) and you know what like I and I don't know if that's the case in everyone's life but like I know growing up we had to bring home like a dreffy boy like it was it was just that's it. Like you, you can't bring it home anyone else. No other option. There's because no they, option. well, they were just like they were like, what will people in society say? Like, what if you bring home, uh, uh, you know, a white dude? Like, wh- how how is he going to integrate into our culture? And I'm like, do you realize that we live in a predominantly white society? Like, <laughs> where am I supposed to find this magical Gujarati boy, right? And also, given the stereotypes about South Asian men, like, where where am I going to find one that's going to like me that I'm going to like back? Like, that's the thing, right? Like, growing up, because I heard that so many times, I automatically just would look for that. Like, I would look for a Gujarati boy. Like, I would never in a million years think to date a white dude or, you know, a Hispanic dude, or whoever, right? Like, I would always look for, okay, is he Gujarati? Does he have a good career? Like, is he, is he some good family? Or like, does, is he cultured enough for my family? Can he speak Gujarati? Does he eat meat? Because that's a huge thing, right? For some of us. So, and I found that, like, that really conditioned the way I, like, saw boys. Yeah. I think it, you know, it, that does. And in all situations, you set up this benchmark, right? And everybody has a few things where like, as long as this is there, yeah, he could be horrible, but hey, he's Gujarati. So this is, and, oh yeah. You, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, like I've personally gone through my ups and downs of like dating history. And I just like, I've seen the worst part of it. And I've seen like the best part of it. And they're both Gujarati, right? Like all of these people oh, yeah. all of them have been Gujarati. And I'm just like, yeah that's not gonna cut it though like that's that's not enough and I think I think voicing that to my parents like showing them that okay like I found this Gujarati person but like do you approve of everything else (laughs) and I think once they like figured out that oh okay just because he's Gujarati it doesn't mean that like it's everything I think that's kind of like what opened up their eyes a little bit that like okay but the way I have come to evaluate situations is, am I being put in a position to betray myself? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that is like, I'm either walking towards fear or I'm walking towards love. And yeah. it's either love for myself or the fear of being rejected. Like whatever that yeah. is. As long as you're not being put in a situation where you have to betray the very core of you, then that's okay. But if you are, then it does not matter what is on the other side or what people say, because you're going to be the one living with it. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what you said, right? Like the people divorcing people that probably comes out because of the fear that they felt of betraying their parents or betraying the idea of the life that their parents may have had for them, right? And not being able to carve yourself out of that shell mm-hmm. of, and like figuring yourself out. Like I've seen people figure themselves out after they got married and like within our generation too, right? And I like, I see that struggle and how hard and difficult it is to 
do that while also being married to this whole new human <laughs> that oh. you're trying to adjust to life to, right? So I, I definitely see both sides of it. But I like I I am grateful at the fact that like our parents, yes, they pressure us, no doubt. Like there is that pressure of getting married because I think that's just the societal norm. Like, okay, you get your degree, you get a job, you get married, you have kids. That's like the standard timeline, right? But I find that um, they're also becoming more patient as we grow older because yeah. like you said earlier, we're exposing them you to our thoughts and new ideas of what life could be like. Yeah. It's like, I, I think they've definitely changed in that sense where like they're learning to give more space. Like for, for me, like my mom has said, you know, like I understand that you need a couple of years to get to know someone before you get married to them. And like for them to, to even progress to that mentality after what they grew up with, like that's a big milestone for them too. So they are learning. And I think this, the, the space gets easier for them to give as you get older too. And I, I said this in my podcast, but you know, they, they begin to trust you, you know, once they, they see that you are shaping into this individual that has both the good traits that your parents gave to them and are learning to integrate into society as a good human being, like they do, you know, loosen up a little bit. I feel like when you're younger, it's different where they, they really want to protect you from everything possible. And they want to nurture you into the best version of yourself and the best version of yourself that they think is the best version yeah (laughs) it's like they know you know you know they know (laughs) it's a mess sorry I I find I find like that uh, I find like growing up I restricted myself from a lot of things and I don't know if you guys felt this way too but it's like um you know me cutting my hair without my mom's permission or without taking my mom to the hairdresser with me and having a safe for example (laughs) never even never even thought about it never even thought about it because it was just like there's no way like you don't do these things you know you only do these things these ways and like the the even the possibility of there being another option I was like whoa hold up (laughs) whoa I don't have to ask them anymore like what and yeah. You know, like, I, I don't want people to think that the only way to step into yourself is to revolt completely against your parents. No, no, no. no. <laughs> like, you could very much be the same person as your parents if that aligns with what you want to. Like, it's yeah. fine to do it that way. But, you know, I something that Priya said in her podcast was uh, being a product of your environment. Mm-hmm. And if we forget that they're like this because they're a product of what their environment was. But now by you exposing themselves that exposing things to them, you're fostering a new environment for them to step into as well. Of course, this is an extensive topic that we could all speak about forever. So what I'm going to do instead is break this episode into two parts. To hear the rest of the conversation, watch out for part two of the last episode of Enough Unsaid season one. I'll see you guys soon.